0: Good evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of the Lacey Johnson podcast. Uh, We are on every week, Wednesdays at 6 p.m., so join us. As long as you're at it, uh, go out to LaceyJohnson.com, subscribe to the channel, uh, click the notification bell. Uh, we got an online store out there. Um, Go out and purchase some merchandise. Just support the show. Uh, If you want to donate, you can also do that. Uh, we promised, uh, we committed to getting better, and we think we are getting ready to turn the corner on uh, exactly where we want to go as far as quality and content. So uh, tonight uh, we have as our guest uh, CEO of Ashtay Products, uh, hair care, a uh, global, and that's important, a uh, hair care products, uh, black-owned hair care products company. Uh, located uh, at least headquarters in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. Uh, look, her name is Taylor Woods, a young, vibrant, intelligent, hardworking, working tenacious, tenacious uh, young sister. And so we're going to have her share her story, uh, her challenges, and whatever you do, hang around for this because yeah, I, I guarantee you're going to enjoy it. First of all, Valentine's Day. Uh, I hope everyone uh, got with their sweethearts and let them know how much they appreciate them and had a great Valentine's Day. For me, Valentine's Day is also my wedding anniversary. Uh, So on Valentine's Day, Betty and I celebrated our uh, 36th wedding anniversary. Um, We've been together 46 years. So, uh, And and it always reminds me when... When uh, I was in the hospital, and we'll talk about that a little later, uh, all the staff was when they found out we had been married so long, asked us what what was the secret, and uh, I basically told them God, family. We were committed to God, family, and each other, and I think we were both just good people, and uh, uh, we uh, adjusted to the changes in us, to the changes in our marriage as time went on, and that's very important. So. Um, you can do it too. And my mom and dad uh, on their 50th uh, wedding anniversary renewed their vows in a church and as I said I got married at my fraternity the sweetheart banquet uh, at a major hotel here and it's my goal uh, when we hit our 50th wedding anniversary to renew our vows in a church like my mom and dad did. Uh, besides uh, our wedding anniversary uh, I was back in church for the first time since my uh, hospital stay and a lot of you out there might not know about it but let me just say this and as I said looking back over the year and the year in review uh, I died and came back live and lived to tell about it so uh, I am very blessed and lucky to be here and talk to you today I enjoyed going back to church. Uh, I uh Reverend McAfee and the choirs and the deacons and the mothers. Uh, and just the people there I like the uh, people in the community uh, and you know they say they call it the hood but I don't look at it like that it's the most wonderful people I've ever met I love the community would never consider living where anywhere else in the Twin Cities uh, unlike a lot of people I know the first chance they get they leave uh, but my heart is here in this community and my heart is here with the people here and I just think it's part of my goal in life to serve them and help them uh overcome a lot of the obstacles and situations that they're in uh the other thing besides celebrating my wedding anniversary getting back going back into church and, and you know we did some online church when COVID and stuff was going on but this is the first time going back in person I, I, I got back in the gym for the first time uh, since my medical situation uh and I really just nice being back there doing some exercises and I thought I'd go out on the basketball court and shoot a few shots and, you know, uh, I was telling uh, uh, my uh, friend here uh, at the studio, my technical uh, advisor and engineer here at the studio for my podcast, uh, I took five shots and uh, I'm still kind of weak. Three of them were air balls. And two of them, I actually hit the rim. So I felt that was an accomplishment. My goal is, I started off at, I want to hit 10 straight three-pointers by the end of this year. Might be a little aggressive. Might tweak that a little. I'm thinking about making the goal, hit five out of 10. But only count the ones that's nothing but nets. But I'll keep you updated on that. It's just nice getting back into the gym. And I appreciated that. Now, uh, you know, I've often talked about what I call the four pillars for the restoration or improvement for the inner-city communities like ours, like mine. And it starts, of course, with God, uh, or something that gives us a moral compass. Uh, The next thing is family. I just really believe in strong families, and I I believe in two-parent families. I believe that uh, we men should marry the mothers of our children and raise our children together. Um, I heard uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes uh, uh, and this is a warning uh, says that marriage is for grown-ups and he's right. If you're a kid, marriage is not for you. And I put my own spin on that. Uh, I like to say that uh, marriage is what separates the men from the boys. And I, I really believe that. And. Uh, I don't care how many, how much money you have, or how many girls, friends you have, or baby mamas you have, or babies you have, marriage is a true test, I think, of manhood, and uh, just seeing my dad in that situation, and seeing how he conducted himself, that has been my role model, and I hope it becomes role model throughout the community. So we talked about the God, we talked about family, uh, with education, um, man. I just read a report that said uh, every child in Chicago's 55 schools, and let me come at it in another way, no child, that's a better way of putting it, in Chicago's 55 public schools was at reading level or math level. Think about that. In the whole city, not one of our children was at the level that they should be. And that is to me is just ridiculous, and it's uncalled for, and it's unacceptable. It does not have to be. And uh, you've heard me say also: give me those uh, children that you're not educating, those inner-city children that you're not educating, that you're probably afraid of, that you think can't le- can't learn. Give them to me. Give me a piece of chalk and a chalkboard and I will educate them. We will educate them. And I don't want to imply anything I can do by myself because everything uh, requires a team of people uh, with a common goal, a common vision, and a common commitment and you give me that and give me those children based on how I know the children that we're talking about, how I know the community, and I have worked with them, I did help start up a charter school, I've been out into the community, I've worked in education settings with these inner city children, including gangbangers, and I know, I know we can educate these children better than what the public school system is doing right now. So, the four pillars for the improvement or restoration of these inner city communities, God, family, schools, and businesses. Business development, for-profit business development. Uh, And I know that's a role for non-profit, but that's someone else's lane. I'm for developing uh, for-profit global businesses in technology, uh, in investment, uh, and uh, in uh, what we're talking about today, consumer products. And so, in all fields, we need to compete. And look, uh, I don't—I'm not concerned whether or not the playing field is fair. Uh, that doesn't concern me because I think <laughs> I think we we're talented enough to overcome even unfairness. And I often say that I kind of have the same attitude in life as I had when I was playing sports. It didn't matter to me what you did or whether you cheated or anything. Uh, it's just a challenge to me. In fact. I enjoy beating cheaters and, and people who wanted to cut corners, so that's my attitude I have in business, and I have that because I know we can do it. Now, along the uh, area of business, uh, I'd say about five years ago, I met a young uh, black entrepreneur. Uh, he had a developer software, e-commerce, retail software, and I really liked the product. Uh, I hesitate to say this because sometimes people give me a hard time, but when I met him, I'm like, hey, I've been looking for a black Bill Gates all my life, and uh, we had a nice little conversation. Now, he explained to me that his general plans were to develop this company and start selling this product and get it to the point where it's worth tens of millions of dollars or a hundred million dollars, sell it, and uh, go and start a social social justice movement. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, hey, look, we have enough people out fighting for social justice. What we need uh, is political justice, and we need financial justice. And so I want you to consider, instead of fighting for social justice when you sell your business and and ready to get out of the world or entrepreneurship, consider uh, financial justice and help develop businesses and global businesses and things like that. And sooner or later he came around and said, hey, that's what I'm gonna do, that makes sense. Uh, And let me say this, we hear nowadays a lot of talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, but you know, it's very seldom we hear about it as far as the money is concerned. Look, my goal and what I wanna focus on what I like, and it may not happen in my lifetime. I want to see diversity, equity, and inclusion in the billionaire class, in the multi class. That's where I want to see it at. That's my, what I want to focus on. You can focus on it in all oh, education and everything else with the, when it comes to the money. That's where I want to see it at. And, you know, just to give you an example, uh, I think there's like 720 billionaires in this country. And the last I saw, there were seven black billionaires. Look, people, that's less than 1%. So if you notice, hardly anybody talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion when it comes to the money. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and I guess we got on the subject of school desegregation and I let them know I'm not a big fan of forced desegregation. In fact, I'm not a big fan of desegregation at all, per se, where it's just a gimmick, you know, when you move things in. And, and, and let me explain that. I'm for desegregation of the money, desegregation of the wealth, and if you desegregate the wealth, the desegregation of the neighborhoods would follow that, desegregation of the school would follow that, and not that that's what's required, to get a quality education not that desegregation is required to live a quality life because I tell you all the time I basically grew up in a desegregated environment I loved it uh, I didn't have no issue with it in fact, uh, probably some of you heard this story before uh, in the, the 10th grade they desegregated our uh, uh, public school system and I was pissed off then and I'm pissed off to this day that they desegregated our schools because we had a quality school, I loved my classmate and I always said, uh, the white kids should have been suing to come to our school. They should be should have been the ones that was desegregated. And so that's why I feel, and, and look, the bad part about it, and this is what got me the most, you know, most of the kids I, that I was going to school with, and we had great teachers, we had great classes, I was surrounded by a lot of brilliant students. Uh, the biggest thing that bothered me is that uh, there was a classmate that I had been with since the first grade they split us up and to this day uh, that has been a pain for me and we're gonna start talking about this great young lady in business uh, how she became CEO of Acetate Products Uh, we're gonna have a little background on our family and our education Uh, we're gonna look at the uh, challenges uh, that she had, how she overcome it. We're going to pay attention to her attitude, her approach, her perspective, her tenacity, her spirituality. We're going to cover all that. You know, a lot of times I'm thinking about our young uh, black kids here in this community and the fact that uh, most of the time when they see people or the messages that they're getting or the narratives that they're getting is about racism and the obstacles and how unfair things are. But I'm here. And we're going to have Miss Taylor Wood join us to say to all you out there, you can be anything you want to be if you're willing to sacrifice and do what it takes to get there. There's nothing can stop you. And that's what my message is going to be today. So as soon as we take a little short break, I'm going to bring on Ms. Taylor Woods and uh, I guarantee you're going to enjoy her. Uh, thanks. Okay, everyone, as promised, we have a very special guest uh, this evening, Ms. Taylor Woods, uh, CEO of Ashtay Products, is what I read, that's probably an official name that she'll correct me on. And uh, I heard of this young lady while visiting uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, and I just got excited about her accomplishments in life. And you know, we are always here to stress achievements and people who overcome all types of obstacles, you know we don't believe in making excuses for not achieving. Uh, we know life is tough and unfair at times, and there's all kinds of obstacles that we have to overcome. And we just want to let our young people know, because they hear a whole lot of negative stuff that make them think, and actually some of it make them think they don't even want to go out of the house, get out of bed and go out of the house, that the world is so bad. So we are here uh, to present the other side uh, of the story. So. Welcome, everyone, Miss Ashtay Woods. And uh, welcome, Ashtay. Thanks for appearing on our program.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much. Yes, you got it right. Uh, My name is Taylor, CEO of Ashtay Products. So, yes, i people be like, oh, hey, there goes Miss Ashtay.
0: (laughs) Well, as our audience can see, like I say, I have to do a little research on my guest. And I started looking at some of the things that you were involved in and your personality come through. And as it's coming through now, that this is a very positive, uh, energetic, intelligent, beautiful young lady. And that it all comes through. So the audience can see that right now. So, uh, Taylor, let's get started here. Give how did Well, let's go back to the beginnings, because one of my favorite uh, poems had a line in it that says, the child is the father of the man. Ooh. Now, update, we need to update that and say the child is the father of the adult. But uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, childhood and your family that you grew up in and, and what would have perhaps predicted that you grew up to be this global, well, CEO of this global beauty supply company.
1: Yeah, so uh, a little bit about me. Um, my uh, I have a younger sister named um, Ashley, and uh, uh, when my sister and I were younger, my mom run ran a hair salon. She was a cosmetologist, and uh, they started working with our hair. And you know, my father's African American, my mother's Dominican, and so they were like, you know what? We need to find a product, or at that time it was make a product, that works for these girls' hair. And so that's when my dad decided to create Ash Tay Products. And so it's named after my sister and I, right? A-S-H-T-A-E. Ashley and Taylor. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, you know, we grew up in this business, um, you know, working hard, running around from trade show to trade show at 13, 14 years old, you know, packing boxes in the warehouse at seven, eight years old, you know, back in the nineties, there were not all these labor laws, so you could work at whatever age. Um, so we grew up working in the business and, um, It wasn't until after college, when I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, I decided to come into the company full time. Um, I literally wrote a list of pros and cons of working, becoming a a manager of where I was currently working in college or coming into the family business and working here. And uh, ultimately, I decided to come into the family business. Um, It wasn't without obstacles. You know, it was down and up and around and around and loop to loop and, you know, I quit, moved away, came back, and um, ultimately landed on the position that I'm in now, which is the CEO of the company. Um, Family business has its struggles. It has its ups and downs. But the good thing is we finally come to a place where we've maneuvered through the treacherous parts of that. Um, And I think we're really at a place where we have a lot of balance um, within our family and within our family business and within the business of our family.
0: <laughs> I just love it. I love it. By the way, how did you... There's a lot of uh, historical black colleges in that area. And how did you end up at UNC Chapel Hill? Yeah, were you brainy young ladies that got a scholarship there? or uh, I would think that yeah. in your community there's a lot of people were trying to steer you to these HBCUs.
1: I know, and look, I will tell you this. I it was just love at first walkthrough. I mean, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. You know, you just, you go to a college campus and you're like, this is it. And it was, I mean, it was a rainy day in Chapel Hill, which Chapel Hill normally is literally Carolina blue skies all the time. But it was a rainy day for my tour. And I was still like, this is it. This is where I need to be um that's honestly honest to goodness what happened i did apply to some hbcus i applied to some some pwis i applied to stuff in state out of state but when i went to chapel hill that was where i needed to be
0: (laughs) well i I attended university of minnesota and but see when i was growing up uh people don't realize that University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus was the big, largest college in the country. Had more students than anybody at the time. I did not
1: know that. Yeah,
0: at one time, University of Minnesota had more students than any colleges in the country. But, you know, they had campuses spread all over. So uh, tell me, Taylor, what was your major in college?
1: It was actually journalism and mass communications.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. Well, that explains some of your... uh, Basically, how you come across uh, on the media and stuff like that. And we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, so yeah. tell us about the company, what type of products you sell, uh, where your markets are, uh, if there's any plans to grow your market. Just give us a little background in, uh, on those, in those areas.
1: Absolutely. So uh, we sell hair care products. The name of our line is called Ashtay. Um, so we sell Ashtay products to licensed cosmetologists across the U.S., Canada, Caribbean islands, and now also in Africa. It's literally just last week, we just picked up a distributor in Ghana. Um, so they, we now have distribution in Ghana. Um, but Caribbean islands were in from St. Croix to Martinique, Guadeloupe, Bahamas, Jamaica, um, and then all across the U.S. and then the western part of Canada, like Toronto, Quebec area as well. Yeah. Um, sorry, Eastern part of Canada. Um, So we, as of last year, uh, we are now in salon-centric stores. So cosmetologists can buy us from a local salon-centric, which is a beauty professional store specifically for licensed cosmetologists. Um, They can also purchase us directly over the phone, um, as well as online through ashtay.com, as well as through State Beauty Supply and RDA Promart stores, which are also directly for licensed professionals. Um, we do sell a little bit to the general public. They, they can buy online at ashtay.com. There's a limited number of items that they can purchase directly from us. But our main clientele is licensed professionals. Our goal, our mission is to help licensed cosmetologists and beauty professionals create generational wealth from behind the chair and beyond, right? So that's why we have this, I'm going beyond, right? That's kind of like our phrase of, we want stylists to go beyond the chair, not literally just work from behind the chair every day, but go beyond the chair. So that's where our focus is to those licensed professionals and kind of creating this holistic approach to our education in their lives. It's not just about, the beauty products and the shampoo and conditioner, but we also get into their finances. We get into their, their management systems. We get into their booth renting. We get into their properties. We get into, you know, do they own their building? How are they managing their booth rentals? How are they managing their commission stylists? We get into all the nitty gritty about the business that they're in.
0: So you help them succeed and stay successful and, sus- and you help sustainability of these businesses. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that you had just acquired a new distributor in Africa. I think you said, yeah. and where I'm going to. How do you uh, what's get new distributors? Do they come to you? Sometimes do you have trade shows? Or how does that whole process work?
1: Honestly, they they come to us at trade shows. So um, that that's that's literally been the way it, it's happened. Um, sometimes we'll have really great clients that decide to distribute in their home country. So. Um, In the case of Ghana, right, this is a customer. They've they've been a customer with us for four or five years. Um, And it was something that they wanted to do before the pandemic happened. But, you know, just a little bit delayed, but not denied. So now that we're past that, right, they have a, a, they've been buying for their own salon, but they have a network of stylists in their city and in their area that they want to sell to. So that's really the way that it ends up happening. Or we have distributors that reach out to us and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm already servicing salons for this mm-hmm. product or I'm already servicing salons for towel services. We also want to distribute your line. Um, and so then we get into conversations with them about that.
0: Well, well, do you have any distributors well, in the Midwest uh, in general and in Minnesota in specific.
1: Yeah. So through the salon-centric stores, there are dozens of salon-centric stores in Minnesota area. So stylists can literally go into any of those salon-centric stores and purchase the Ashtay line right there locally. And then there are also salon-centric has hundreds, if not close to a thousand uh, individual sales reps. So they can even contact a salon-centric sales rep that will physically come to their salon and service them as well. So we literally have nationwide distribution across almost every city in the U.S. There is some way that someone can get product, whether it be online, over the phone, in a store, or with a rep that comes to their door.
0: Well, I, when I listen to that, uh, it sounds, you're in a, a market. I mean, we will always have needs for a beauty supply. Yeah. Uh, up and down, whatever. However, though, I do know that uh, your company uh, went through the COVID pandemic like everyone else. Yeah. Uh, what type of challenges uh, did that present to a business like yours?
1: Oh, what type of challenges did it not present? <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, that was honestly, that was one of the hardest things. I have had to get through. And it was crazy is I became CEO of the company January of 2020 and the Mm. pandemic hit March of 2020. So talk about having to make some executive decisions. It was right. I mean, it was, you know, in the beginning, we didn't know what was going on. We're talking about, oh, you know, people started laying off people. um, And it that started to become a question, right? And at first it was just talks, but then right. the questions started to become real the more and more it went on. And oh, yeah. um, I remember I just at one point I just broke down and cried. I mean, I, we we all cried at some point during 2020. Oh <laughs> and cried. I just was like, I just it didn't sit right with me letting people go. Um, and so what I did was because I have this, you know, journalism, mass communication background, and very tech savvy. And we had already been doing online classes from 2019. I decided, you know what, we're going to host a series of Zoom classes. And we started this series called Surviving a Crisis. And it was for stylists to learn and for us to teach them how to get through this pandemic. Wow. And that Zoom series that we did was life changing. One, it allowed us to stay open. We did not shut down at all during the pandemic. We, I mean, it, you know, mm-hmm. don't tell the government, but it, it, we made sure we were listed as an essential business so that way our employees could still come into work. Um, we have one lady Missy Lane. She's been with us for 23 years. It did not sit right with me to say, "Hey, we have to lay you off." No, 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 no. Missy Lane still came in every day, right? Wow. Our staff still came in to work. Our warehouse did not shut down. We were still shipping out products to stylists. Um, instead of stylists doing physical services, we encouraged them to sell retail, right? Sell DIY kits at home, host Zoom sessions, host Facebook Live sessions um, on how to maintain your hair at home. And we literally had stylists, no matter what age, <laughs> doing this, right? We, we have a client um, named Duchess from Buffalo, New York. And Duchess is... I'm not going to share her age, but she's over, 55, over 60. Duchess does not do Facebook. but when I tell y'all during the pandemic, she was on Facebook live selling products, selling retail. I mean, she would have a Facebook live and sell 500, 700, a thousand dollars in product. and that's what got our clients through the pandemic. Um, it was it was a, a godsend us doing that. that series.
0: I, I love that story. I mean, that's a great story. And it just goes to show you, I tell everybody, uh, owning your own business, start your own business, it's not for everyone. Woo, no. And there's a lot of tenacity. And and by the way, I, we'll talk about that. You got to have a lot of faith as far as I'm concerned, too.
1: Oh,
0: yes. Uh, you know, oh, yes. Just, uh, see you through those times. Now, you mentioned that, uh, I think I heard you say that your the uh, business you're in was categorized as essential and you were allowed to stay open. Did I understand that correctly? So so the beauty supply company was categorized as essential. How about the beauty shops and the barbershops themselves, your end customers? Uh, From what I'm hearing, they were not classified as essential, huh? Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, no, they weren't. Um, And that's why they had to pivot. Um, another class we had, we had a class called pivoting during a pandemic. Um, but they had to pivot to literally doing online sales, doing drop-offs and, you know, our community, first of all, you're not going to shut people down for three months and we're still going to be able to survive off of a $1,200 check. That's just not going to work. The math does not math on that. So, you know, I heard, I have no proof. However, I heard that there were some folks that just closed the drapes and parked in the back. Oh, and yeah. you're still taking folk. Now, I have no proof. You can't quote me on that. That is off the record. But hey. that's just what I heard through the grapevine was happening.
0: Well, you know, and I'll interject with a little story here, too. My barber here in Minnesota was a non-essential also. And my barber, like, and he's a hardworking guy, you know, got a family to take care of mortgages. Yeah. And so he started coming into the office at 5 o'clock. Uh, Opening up before the rest of the class came in. Of course, one of the clients turned him in and threatened to call the police on him and everything. Oh. You know. oh, and man. all this young man was trying to do was earn a living and support his family. So I'm kind yeah. of familiar with some of the things that that you're talking about.
1: Uh, I felt like it was. Um, I felt like it was prohibition time because I, I mean, I'm in the beauty industry, right? I can't not get my hair done, eyebrows done, that, that type of thing. And so my stylist at the time, they found a uh, they found a lady that was still running her place, even during the shutdown. And they moved temporarily over there. So I would go over there to get my hair done and my eyebrows done. And they had the curtains down, drapes down, everything, park in the back. I mean, I was like, look, I thought like it was a speakeasy. Knock, knock, knock. Knock, knock. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> well, Taylor, I hope the statute of limitations has run out on your breaking the law
1: like that. That was just um, a hypothetical. That did not actually
0: happen. No, 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 it's it's hypothetical enough. you're right. So hypothetical. right. So you might have done that. Like yeah. OJ say, if I had done it,
1: <laughs> if I had done it, that's yeah. that's what would have happened.
0: Uh, I saw somewhere you were reading a book that I studied way back in the on management, I think, way back in the 90s. And I, I was surprised a young lady like you. I think it's called Who Moved My Cheese? It's oh, Who yes. Moved My Cheese or Who Stole My Cheese? We studied that in our management back in those days. So tell me what you learned about that, because you were telling these small business owners that you're going to learn a lot from this book. Why don't you share with some of the people out there who are either currently in business or thinking about going in business, What you learn, and I think it's called Who Stole My Cheese or Who Moved My Cheese, I think it's called. Who Who Moved Moved My
1: My Cheese,
0: Cheese?
1: yes, yes. Tell our
0: audience a little bit about Who Moved My Cheese and why is it important for business owners to know some of the principles uh, found in that book.
1: Yeah, that is, it's such a great book. It's such a quick read. Honestly, everybody in life, business owner or not, you have to read that book, right? Right, right, right. It just, it talks about just short summary, right? You Matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell you the book, right? But just the principles. You go through life and you get to this place of comfort where you think that you can just wake up and your cheese, whatever that might be, whether it be money or happiness or joy or whatever, right? Your cheese is just going to be there in that same place. You just wake up, do the same old thing every single day. But you get to a point where doing that same thing doesn't render the same results and the cheese is gone. The cheese is in another room. The cheese is in another, you know, Zoom. It's in another place. It's in another planet. And you have to go out and seek out that cheese. You have to do something different than what you did before. Um, For me, it just, it's so many lessons, especially in business, right? That at the end of the day, The same way that my parents got customers back in the 90s, right? That Mm -hmm. cheese of just going out, going door to door, knocking on salons, right? Going door to door. That same thing, the cheese has moved from that, Mm -hmm. right? And now it's, it's, okay, we're in this other room and it's getting people online and through social media and through Zoom calls and through FaceTime and things like that. So that the Who Moved My Cheese, it just has so many different principles you can apply, like, even to your life, right? Like, people are older generation, right? There's this major, major technology gap. And it was before the cheese could have been just going to your next door neighbor's house and hanging out. Or, you know, you're calling somebody on a landline. But now we got... Apple watches and we got cell phones and we have Instagram and we got Facebook and we have meta and we have, I mean, it's a lot, right? Just the communication, just communicating with people, that cheese has moved to a different room. Hell, a different planet at this point.
0: (laughs) Well, it sounds like you are up on things. And I think I saw somewhere where you uh, gave a little online seminar on how to leverage make the best use of social media and how people are misusing social media i'm gonna give you one one last chance one one other chance uh to be uh, a pedagogue here a teacher and uh tell them uh, a few pointers about the use of social media maybe your top three pointers there
1: Hmm. okay Good question. You you got me. You got me. No, so I didn't mean to uh,
0: throw too much. a I hope that's not too big of a curveball. But I do know. I think you had an online co- course on the better best way to leverage social media. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, give okay. Me one. No, I got you. I got you. Let me let me see. Let me pull something out the hat real quick. <laughs> no. So okay. Yeah. So I do love. First of all, I love marketing. Right. It's like. That I feel like is what I spend most of my time on because marketing is honestly directly tied into sales and revenue and growth. So for me, marketing is, as a business owner, one of the key things that you have to know. The next thing is systems and processes, but marketing is a big area. And with social media, there's so many free ways to market your business. So one thing I tell business owners that they're doing wrong on social media is they're not being social right? A lot of times people create these uh, profiles on social media and they post stuff about what they have for breakfast and, oh, fried chicken at Bojangles. And, oh, this is what Sally is doing. And, oh, Popeye's has this new spicy mixed chicken. And that's cool, right? That's great. But that's not the time or the place or the venue for you to do that, right? Social media should be about your business and you should be social about your business, right? So, People who are on there, as people are chatting and commenting on your lives and on your images and on your videos, you need to respond, react, and reply. Those are the things that I tell people so many times. Uh, this, this is the way I translate it, right? Uh-huh. If someone were to walk up to you in person and say, wow, that's a nice suit you have on, what would you say? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But on social media, people will comment and say, wow, I really like that. Whatever that thing is that you're selling, whether it be your service, your product, whatever, they'll say, wow, I really like that. And the brand does not respond. That would be like someone walking up to me and saying, wow, I like your earrings. And I just do this. That's what people do. I see that so many times small businesses do on social media, right? Not being social. Literally treat it like it was somebody talking to you face-to-face. If somebody says something to you, say something back. I get it on a phone. I get it through a computer, right? And that kind of makes it weird for people. But seriously, just say something back. Say, thank you. Say, oh, girl, thank you. Oh, hit them with an emoji. Hit them with a smiley face. Something, respond, react. That is like my number one pet peeve I see on social media from small business owners. The second thing I see is people are not reachable or do not have um, basic information about their business, right? Especially if they're an in-person business. Things like having their address, their hours of operation, their email, their phone number, frequently asked questions, right? I feel like every single business should have some basic frequently asked questions, right? How do I get there? What does the parking situation look like? What what, what does the inside place look like? What do I need to bring? Um, how do I order from you? How long does shipping take? All these frequently asked questions, just answer them up front. Nowadays, consumers want to be very educated before they buy, shop, or go to you for a service. So educate them in advance. Look, those are two tips. That's, that's all I got for them. Those, those are two <laughs> big ones, okay? Two okay. big ones.
0: I like this lady. Uh So, uh, you got these offices, well, you got these customers all over the globe, and from what I've seen on your social media, uh, you, every once in a while you have a chance to visit some of these places. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back and talk about Dubai later. But tell me some of the other places that you've been around the world on business trip. Uh, we used to call it an engineer. We used to call them boondoggles. But you're you really going there to take care of them. <laughs> Boondoggles. But we, we were only half joking, especially if they were nice places. Uh, if there was kind of like, you know, out in the middle of, I'm not going to name a state, in the middle of nowhere, uh-huh. we didn't call them boondoggles. But it was like uh, uh, L.A. Or, or New York oh. or you know, some of them like Miami or something
1: like that. Yeah. But
0: anyway, tell me about the other places you've had the opportunity to go and build your business and, and, and uh, just make it better
1: yeah i mean i'll I'll give you two sides right one side is we do different events and trade shows in various cities so we'll be in new york next month we'll be in california in um in april we'll be in new orleans you know down in the gulf south in april as well um so we do the like domestic cities and we have different events we had a pop-up event um back in uh several weeks ago for uh some people in St. Petersburg. Um, and we just like to have fun, right? Mm-hmm. But then the big thing that we do is we do something called an take getaway, which is where we travel with our clients and their friends and their family, and honestly, anybody who hears about our trips, and we travel to some sort of destination in the world. And every year we pick a different location. Um, and so we've done places like Rome, Italy, Naples, Capri, Paris, France, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Cancun, Mexico, Jamaica, um, both Ochi and, and Mount Tigo Bay in and Grill. Um, and every year we go somewhere different. Last year we did Cape Town, South Africa, and that was our first trip to Africa as a group. And we had 125 people. In Africa, it was amazing. Like, I mean, imagine being on a flight, and uh-huh. you know, we, we 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 usually send people out of two different main airports or whatever, but imagine being on a flight a hundred deep with our people <laughs> on your way to Africa. Look, wow. y'all seem to that's not lit. It was the most what? magnificent trip we have done thus far
0: uh so i saw you in dubai well before i go there you know that's the saying if you love what you're doing you will never work another day in your life mm-hmm. and when i think of it when i saw you that's what came to my mind uh, and you really uh, enjoyed what you were doing but i, I did do. saw you kind of dancing and stuff in dubai mm-hmm. and uh there were some other sisters with you a few mm-hmm. brothers there too but were they employees of Ashtay or were they just some other people you met while you were in Dubai?
1: Those are clients. Those are people who came no. on the Ashtay giveaway. So that it. was, uh, we, we go somewhere, right? It's usually for a week. Well, it depends on the, the area, you know, six days, five nights, something like that. And uh, it's, it's Ashtay clients, it's hairstylists, it's small business owners, it's their nieces, nephews, sisters, brothers, aunties, uncles, people who just heard about the trip um through somebody and they come on the trip and they travel with us and uh we have a good time so that that video you probably saw was dubai we had a pajama party one night and we just took over this venue at the atlantis hotel and everybody's out there in their pajamas and onesies and we had everybody dancing (laughs) it was so much fun I,
0: i just love it we need more ceos like you uh, <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, you became CEO right after, right before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And you remember, you mentioned the hard times that you kind of went through initially uh, and how you apply, applied the principle from who moved my cheese, some of those principles. Where I'm getting to, you went from there to where I hear you are now. Yeah. And what got, how did you just hang in there long enough? Or did you do anything different to help spur what I'm interpreting as a very good uh, business environment right now and, and a very successful uh, business uh, right now? So what what how do you explain what happened between then and now where you just, everything is going, well, I don't want to use the word gangbuster, but it sounds uh, pretty positive. Uh, how do you explain turning the corner on that?
1: So honestly, it is about, Writing a vision and making it plain. And committing to that vision, committing to that mission above anything else. So when I came on as CEO, I remember I had a meeting with our staff. Um, we have a, a, several phone sales reps and they, they work our call center, customer service, take orders over the phone, the whole nine. And I remember I I met with all of them um, at our office in Greensboro. And I said, look, I said, I'm becoming the CEO, but I am also making each one of you the CEO of this area. And I said, the CEO stands for customer experience officer. So no longer are you just a customer service rep. You are now a customer experience officer. And I wrote down this, this mission for them. And I said, it is time for you guys to control, not control, but to influence and impact the lives of the customers that you speak to. How are we going to do that? We're going to know we're going to do that by knowing each person name by name and impacting their lives moment by moment. So I gave every single person that mandate and every person we've hired since then, I've given them that mandate. Hey, look, when you're on the phone with people, I want you to get to know the person name by name and impact their lives moment by moment. Every time you speak to them, every time one of our educators speaks to somebody, every time I'm on a stage, I want to make sure that we're impacting people's lives with every single moment that they experience Tay. And so I wrote it down. I printed it out for each person. I made sure that they understood that. And every time we meet with even our our educational team, I remind them, hey, look, we're going after impact, right? I want us to be impacting lives. This isn't just about selling a bottle of shampoo. This is much, much bigger than that. And so I'm committed to the vision and the mission of the organization more than I am the profit and the money.
0: I like that. So we're gonna to have to do part two. I'm gonna. We all gonna to have to How do you part two. two? <laughs> and I will work with uh, your assistant on that. But uh, before we go, because I know your you, your time is busy also, it's precious also. Uh, why not? Could you leave a a message for our young people out there once again? Uh, who wake up every morning, they hear how unfair life is and how tough mm. life is. And, and and let's face it, you and I uh, are blessed. And like I say, we're going to get into that conversation too the next time around. You and I are blessed with just a stable environment and two parents who just loved us and, and gave us certain values to live by. But we know that there's a lot of young people out there who are not that blessed and who are hearing how tough it is to succeed and stuff like that what type of message would you have for those young people out there as far as achievement and setting goals
1: okay i would say this first of all all of us are blessed no matter what set of circumstances life gives us right And being for me, being in a two parent household still didn't shield me from certain things that have happened in my life. Right. There have been some things and, you know, this ain't, this ain't, you know, this is our first interview, so I'm not going to go into them, but there have been some things that have been very, very difficult for me, both emotionally, physically, spiritually. Right. And that, that, no matter how great things might be and no matter how much joy I might have right now, right there are still nights where you you cry and you just can't stop crying. Um, However, the one thing I'll tell people is you have to learn how to motivate yourself and you have to learn how to protect your mind. It is a game changer when you can learn how to literally reap, Program your mind. It is what happens in between your ears that affects everything. I mean, everything. And this means I I literally, I said, fall of last year, I said, you know what? I want to go through a transformation of my mind because last year I was dealing with so much anxiety. I, I was having more panic attacks than I can count. It was just, it was a very rough year for me mentally. And finally, I said, you know what? I want to get a hold of this. I want to get control of this. And I want to literally transform my mind. And what I did was I started making sure that everything I listened to was positive. Every, everything, right? I literally Googled motivational video on YouTube, motivational Monday, motivational Tuesday, whatever. Play the first thing that comes up. Play the second thing that comes up. And, you know, some of these videos, they're like, you got to get up and wake up and you need to do X, Y, and D. You know, I mean, some of them are like that. And then some of them are like, you know, Oprah's voice and Oprah telling you about the things you need to do. And Steve Harvey's voice and T.D. Jake's voice. And I was just listening to those during the daytime every single morning. And then at night I would listen to, there's this app called uh, the Abide app. I don't have the app, but I listened to it on YouTube and it was uh, meditations in God's word overnight and listen to, you know, how to uh, have peace at night through God's word. And it'd be like this eight hour YouTube video. And I would set that thing on and go to that, going to sleep. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have transformation. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be able to get through my day. Um, affirmation videos. I, if you're not, if you're not someone who has affirmations written down, right, I don't necessarily have them written down. I plan to at some point, but I would listen to affirmation videos that say, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be great. I'm going to do these things. I am great, right? Whether it be uh, Christian affirmations, success affirmations, money mantra affirmations, all of the above. Literally, I would play them every single day. And when I'm not feeling like, uh, I really don't feel like getting to it, I'm going to play some music. I'm going to play. I would play, uh, I still do play, Get Up by Ty Tribbett. Get up. Come on. Get, I mean, like, girl, you need to get into it today. Drink some coffee. Even if you don't feel like it, it's about reprogramming your mind above everything else. And it may sound silly. It may sound simple. But I'm telling you, it works. It works.
0: I, uh... Not that I made a living at, 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 with the English, I guess I was tech writer. But uh, John Milton, in, in his uh, epic poem Paradise Lost, had a line that says, "The mind is its its own heaven or hell," and I never forgot that.
1: Oh, so and, true. Uh,
0: so you hit that on the point. So a couple of other things before we go, and we're going to have part two, by the way. And okay. by the way, I was uh, I was in Greensboro last week, and. Uh, that office complex you have, I think, on Eugene Street, I think, mm-hmm. in Greensboro. Uh, someone yeah. told me that sometimes you hang out there. Sometimes, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got an office there. So maybe next time I'm in Greensboro, we we'll grab some coffee or something. Uh, but in the meantime, Natilda and I work to get you on again. Okay. Uh, all I have to say is go, girl.
1: And- <laughs> Thank you. It. And Thank
0: it, you. It, it really is. And, and this has been one of the most pleasurable interviews that i've had and I, I understand everything you're saying as far as you go through the trials and tribulations and things and tough times and i tell people and people find the strength i haven't had a bad day in my life because mm. the way i look at things you know and the way i react to things and just the strength and tenacity that my parents and people put in me so once again taylor i we're going to do this and i work with your staff to get this done again because you got a lot more to share with people.
1: I can and go on and on.
0: I know, I love it though. I really love it. And like I said, the next time I'm in Greensboro, I'll, if you're around, I'll try to say hi to you. And well, now, I
1: live in Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're down here, oh, wait
0: a minute. They tell me say, someone told me say I think I think she got an office here. In fact, last week someone said I think there she goes right there. And I say, I want to meet her. She's on my show next yes. week. And they say, well, by, by the time I did whatever I had to do, say, I think she's gone. Are you ever in Greensboro?
1: I am. Um, I go about once a month. But I'm, I'm, I'm real I'm in and out.
0: Yeah, OK. OK. Well, thank you very <laughs> much. And keep up the great work.
1: Thank until, you. And all
0: the positive energy until we have you on again. And just doing the great work. Oh, by the way, one last thing, because this is business, social, but this business, uh, how would someone who's interested in being a distributor or doing business with Ashtay products, how would they, how would they contact you, uh, uh, the company, by the way?
1: Yeah. So they would just go online to Ashtay.com. They can contact us there on the contact us page or send an email to info at Ashtay.com. And that's A S H. T A E,
0: you know what I mean? Oh, and one other thing. I was watching Columbo last night, and I'm kind of like Columbo. I got one other question here before I go. Uh, and this is the last question of my audience out there. So you mentioned this lady who you had to lay off during the COVID experience, but she decided she's gonna come into work anyway. What's yeah, that? We, we,
1: we didn't lay off anybody. So
0: right. oh, okay, gotcha.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. So
0: she's yeah. still in there,
1: huh? Yes, yes, okay. she is. She is.
0: you're such a great uh, leader and boss. I can understand that. So have a great day. I will work with someone to have you back on. You keep going like this. You might break a record. I might have to have you on three times.
1: Oh, my <laughs> that God. That was a record.
0: <laughs> so thank you very much, Taylor. Uh, have a great day, and God bless you. And we're going to talk about that uh, during our second part of this interview. Yeah, okay? let's okay. get into it. Have a thank wonderful you, day. Bro. Okay,